I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Steph Jagger, author of Everything Left to Remember, My Mother, Our Memories, and a Journey Through the Rocky Mountains. Steph Jagger lost her mother before she lost her. Stricken with an incurable disease that slowly erases all sense of self, her mother struggles to remember her favorite drink, her favorite song, and perhaps most heartbreaking of all, Steph herself. As the woman who loved and raised her begins to slip away, she makes a promise to write her mother's story before it's entirely lost. Aware, aware of her mother's waning memory, she proposes a camping trip, which her mother agrees to embark upon. An adventure full of horseback riding, hiking, and tenting out west quickly turns into one woman's reflection on the mysteries tucked inside ourselves and our ancestry and what it means to love someone who doesn't quite remember the person she spent her lifetime becoming. Steph Jagger is a sought-after mentor and coach whose offerings guide people toward a deeper understanding of themselves and their stories. Her work, including speaking and facilitating, lies at the intersection of loss, the nature of deep remembrance, and the personal journey of recreation. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Steph. Well, nice to be here with you, Catherine. Good, Good morning from out west. Well, good morning from out east. Um, <laughs> I mentioned in the intro, you know, you describe it or you describe it as your mother's story, but is it your mother's story or is it your story or is it a mother and daughter's story? Well, I, I really think it, I really think the book itself is a mother-daughter love story. Um, I, I think in my, my original quest really was searching for her story, you know, before the entirety of it and most of her disappeared. And I, and I think in the process of searching for that, there was a really big realization that, you know, some of our stories, especially that of our mothers, like they are allowed to hold as sacred for them and that actually I was looking for mine. Um, and so I, I think it has everything that you just mentioned in there. <laughs> so it, it's all, it's every, yes, it's mother's story. It's your mother's story and your story and a mother daughter story. Uh, I didn't, we didn't really, uh, uh, label what the, the disease is and it's Alzheimer's. So this story began, yeah. you know, when your mother was what in her late sixties and had just, had just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or, uh, although she had probably been suffering from it for, or, you know, there were signs and symptoms before the diagnosis. That's right. That's right. Yes. So my mother was um, diagnosed with Alzheimer's in um, the summer of 2015, just shy of her um, 67th birthday. And, uh, and we went, we embarked on this trip about 10 months after that. So yes, absolutely. She had been showing, um, showing signs prior to the diagnosis um, and, and at the time we went on the trip, you know, if people are familiar, if they're not, there are, you know, seven stages, of course, they're not very linear, um, but seven stages of an Alzheimer's or, or dementia progression. And, and she would have been considered in, you know, the first one or two stages when we went on that trip. So a lot of her still there, a lot of her physical self, a lot of her, um, you know, mental capacity, um, short-term memory was really missing. That was the main part, um, and so, yeah, it was it was in the in the very early stages of her diagnosis. And so, when you say in the very early stages, let's describe that because you know, I, I mean, I um, 
I don't know if everybody's familiar with the early stages. And as you're describing her in the book and having read, actually, I listened to the book on Audible and um, mm. which was great. Um, but anyway, so like her, the first stage is she really her short asking you the same questions over and over again. Uh, and one of them, and I'm going to ask you that really upset you. Uh, do you have, uh, do you have children or why don't you have children or you don't have children? Mm-hmm. Or Steph, why don't you have children? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause this may be a good jumping off point for, uh, you know, for our discussion. Yeah. And that, that really struck a nerve and she couldn't let go of that. Yeah, absolutely. So f- first of all, so this is a beautiful two-part question. I, I think it's really important and it's, one of the things that I've really enjoyed talking about, because I think most people, when they hear about a person who has Alzheimer's and dementia, they're usually kind of struck with an image of someone who's quite a bit older, say maybe in their 80s and 90s, and who is um, in the later stages of dementia, so really does not have a lot of their faculties, memory, or otherwise left. And I think it's really, really important for you know, people to understand that in the initial stages of diagnosis, even with somebody who's in their 80s and 90s, there's still a lot of capability left, uh, still a lot of capability there, um, and especially with folks who are diagnosed younger. So, you know, my mother was diagnosed in her late 60s. She, she was a Jane Fonda fit, you know, very capable woman, um, very active, um, very, you know, connected socially, although, you know, she herself was an introvert, but she had a large group of of amazing women around her and family around her. And so um, I think it's important to kind of paint a picture of someone who maybe doesn't have short-term memory, but has a, a lot of other faculties there and, you know, can go on a trip like this. And there's a window of time, a window of opportunity, I think, for a lot of people just after they're diagnosed to be able to to do these kinds of things um, with their friends and family members. So that that part is important. How painful Absolutely. is that for you, though, when that happens? Let's just, I mean, that's a good example because she's, in our culture, late 60s, she's still young or she's not 80s or 90s. So your expectations for her are different. They, you know, just culturally, they're different, right? And that's, that's uh, right. And then you're with her and it's constant every minute that you're with her. Uh, the 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 loss of her is there. I mean, she's acting like a child. But one thing you do say, even though she's acting, there are a lot of childish uh, behaviors. She still has the wisdom of your mother. There's still that mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that comes that experience, I think, yeah. that does come into play, which I found interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's not painful. Like this is an excruciating journey, and it's, and it's, it's the kind of journey that is very, very confronting to identity. You know, when when your mother forgets your name, when your mother forgets who you are, um, uh, th- that's a that's a very difficult journey for people to go on. I think, you know, Catherine, one of the things that was so helpful to me is is because of my background as a coach and a mentor, like there is specific training that I've done to meet people in the moment, right? Like I'm meeting clients where they are. I'm not demanding that they be somewhere else. And so that skill was highly, highly applicable. Like even if I was in a, in a state of shock, say the first time my mom couldn't pull my name up, there's a, there's a moment of shock and grief and, and there was ongoing grief to tend to. But there's also these questions that come forward of like, okay, 
She doesn't know who I am right now. How do I meet her in this place? And, and that was a very useful skill. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say, like, it's extraordinarily painful. And there is, there's ongoing ambiguous grief. There's ongoing acute grief to, to tend to. And, you know, there's, there's also something very beautiful. There's a, there's a quote by the singer Brandy Carlisle. She said, um, and I might mess it up a little bit, but, but the gist is there, that mysticism is the most practical thing in the world. The only thing about it is it's found smack in the middle of grief. Yeah. And I found that if I was able to kind of have the courage to, like, lock eyes with the grief and confront it and, like, actually move toward it, there was usually more available to me in that place than if I had kind of braced, constricted, looked away, pretended that my mother didn't, didn't, you know, just miss my name or demand, really spend time demanding that she does know my name. I think that's Um, a difficult piece. I want to stop on it because I know uh, that's a big issue. I mean, one of the things I'm I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, well, you're a patient, you're a coach. I mean, you have all the skills set to be able to do this. Um, but being very patient and not demanding that the person, like in this case, your mother, say the right thing, correcting her all the time. I mean, that's kind of a, a thing that happens a lot with, pa- you know, I'm a social worker, but with patients who have Alzheimer's, yeah. Yeah, I, trying to make it so that that uh, they're, well, correcting them, that that's going to be helpful. It's not going to be helpful. It doesn't help. It's not the thing to do. It's it, absolutely, absolutely. They they are in, in, you know, I mean, we have this experience, right? When, when we have a particular viewpoint of reality and somebody goes ahead and tells us that we're wrong, that doesn't feel good, you know? And instead, is, is there an ability to say, you know, tell me more about that? Like, you know, we're, 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 oh, okay, we're not in our family home. Like, where are we? You know, to get curious about that <laughs> and to get curious about her, her inner landscape. Now, as a daughter, you know, doing that for a mother, there's, there's again, as I said, ongoing grief with that. And, and that is to be, um, to be kind of held and moved through. And, and I, I just think there's a lot more, we have access to a lot more of them if we can drop those things. And those are hard to drop. You know, in this trip that you took with her, obviously it brought up a lot of, uh, I mean, your whole relationship with her, um, not just, uh, I mean, this trip and, and then your your upbringing and, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, as you're talking and you talk about like that she was not someone to necessarily share family secrets and you talk about the family secret and mm-hmm. you talk about mm-hmm. like she didn't want to deal with the messy stuff. And, and as a mother daughter, she never talked to you about sex, for instance, and all of the things that mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. and the challenge. And, but the, and I just want you to kind of respond to all this because, and being able to see, I think this was this was, um, for me, I thought it was, um, kind of, it was enlightening. Your challenges are different than her challenges. And, and yeah. And that, I don't need to describe it as a, as a divide, her stuff that she had to deal with in her generation and her family was unique to her. And it wasn't necessarily your though, or they were not necessarily your issues. Talk about, let's talk about some of those. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's very easy for for children, um, specifically daughters, but but I think for all of us to look um, to our parents and get a little bit angry. Why didn't they teach me this? Why didn't they um, provide me with this opportunity? Why didn't they tell me about this, um, et cetera? And 
And when you really move the perspective to, you know, my mother was a woman who, you know, was born in the late 40s, you know, grew up as a teenager, you know, in the late 50s and early 60s. That is a dramatically different, like women couldn't have credit cards uh, without husband's permission at that time. Like that's, it's a dramatically different era and time to grow up in and, and to be shaped by. And so, you know, they do the best with, with what they know. Um, and give us, the, you know, they're trying to like deliver us across the divide of everything they didn't have access to, you know, and, and I, and I think, you know, in the story, there was, there's a lot of questioning for me around, you know, what is somebody's sacred story or stories, plural, that that's, that's for them. And they may or may not share that it's, that's their sacred inner landscape. And then, you know, what is the difference between that and privacy? And what is the difference between privacy and secrecy? And, and there's a lot, like that's a very nuanced, very complex discussion, but that, that was something that I, I was keyed in on. And I, and I think when we've had experiences, when, when our parents, when ourselves have had experiences that involve kind of shame that then closes doors off internally, those are doors that I, I naturally am inclined to kind of want to go and gently open. And I think that's what I was trying to do on the story in the, in the trip itself. And, and at the same time, you know, hold her, her own sacred stories and her own privacy also in hand at the very, at the very same go. And that, that's a, that's a, that's a difficult and complex thing to do. Do you think that after this, this journey, this trip, do you forgive your mother maybe for some of the things that you blamed her for before the trip, before the journey? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I, forgiveness is a, is a great word to use. And, and I just, I just think all of the things that my younger self, that like the maiden version of me was kind of up in arms about um, and the, and the anger, I, I think that's just, I was using her, you know, she was, she was a pretty convenient target for that. And I think she was the incorrect one. You know, I think there was a lot of other societal themes that, that, um, I probably should have been and, and, and am now like, you know, looking at and going, Oh, that's the reason, you know, that she wasn't able to this, this societal issue is one of the reasons that she wasn't able to open up to me in this particular way because there was shame involved. Right. And then, and then now I can go to, Oh, let's, let's work to dismantle some of the societal issues, including the ones that live inside of us. Like we've internalized a lot. So another, I mean, context is key and it was a different, we kind of touched on that before the context in which she grew up in which she was a mother, of five children, uh, very different than the context that, you grew up in and uh, that's right. very different. And I, and you talk about her, you're aligning yourself with, I actually, I did this kind of too, I think aligning yourself with your father because he was the mm -hmm. powerful one. He's the strong one. He's the one who actually can take care of things and you don't want to be uh, aligned with the weak one, which um, in that generation was, I don't know if weak is exactly the right word, but that's, you know, the, the yeah, least. I, yeah. I I think I would, I think I would describe it as, you know, I, I looked at the men around me when I was growing up and they, they seemed to have a lot more freedom. Um, and so, 
there's there's a complex understanding of what is external freedom and what is internal freedom. And um, I think because as a, as a young person, I just I saw the men around me. I thought, well, they've got they've got a little bit more money, or a lot of a lot more money, or they've got more freedom, or more time, etc. That just I, I automatically aligned with that, and and part of that then meant you know, stuffing some of my own femininity kind of down and, and really devaluing, devaluing femininity and, and who was the most, uh, the biggest example of that in my of femininity in my life well, was my mother. Um, and so there was a real devaluation of her. And I think, I think the journey itself has really, you know, right-sized us. You know, I, there's, a, there's a, a line at the beginning, one of my therapists said to me, like, you think you're bigger than your mother. And I, I just, that just hit me. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really believe that. Like I couldn't even fathom what that meant. And by the time we got to the end of the journey, it, it was just so clear to me that, you know, these are the women, my, my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, you know, th- these are the women that I've been built on the shoulders of, like they're colossal. And, and yes, there was forgiveness in that. And there was also, I think, you know, a real, real deep honoring and respect for everything that they had to go through to to get me and to get this generation to the place that we're in. Um, how did you feel or to see your mother so vulnerable? I think that's painful. I mean, it's painful even if one's mother doesn't have Alzheimer's, um, seeing them age and, and, you know, losing some of their, whether it's mental or physical abilities. So that vulnerability um, after that long journey with her, um, how did that mm-hmm, affect you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel I feel like one of the things that um that was part of this trip and really has been an ongoing lesson like my mother I think has taught me and continues to teach me so many lessons about surrender and and by surrender I really mean like not not giving up but but like yielding to and going with you know and I think there was less um, less grief, less pain for me in regards to seeing her kind of vulnerably, because as soon as she moves into a vulnerable position, she, she tends to just do this very grace-filled um, surrendering and, and has done for decades. I think if this was a story about my father and I, that would be a completely different navigation. Um, you know, to, to see him moving through this, there, there would be a completely, I think a completely different, like somebody who's, who's kind of always liked to have, has been in a, in a more kind of quote unquote societally powerful role, um, has been a person who's been seen with not, not a ton of vulnerability. You know, I think that would be a different thing to navigate, but with my mother, it was really more, a, it felt like to me, continuous lesson in this beautifully graceful kind of surrender. I think that's a good point because I think women, and we haven't gotten a lot of credit for that, but our ability to adapt and yeah. and to yeah. negotiate and all of those skills come into play, even as you're nearing the end. Whereas, as you talked about earlier, men maybe are perhaps more in a when they're in a position of power and control, or at least the society supports that. Not so easy to adapt, uh, but we we do right. have that skill, and that's I, I mean that's how I see your mother which is really, obviously, a really good thing for her. I, I want to know, like, this also, Alzheimer's is hereditary, and you do touch on that in the book. Your mm-hmm. grandmother, 
your mother mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. are you next? You're asking. Uh, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, that is, I don't know a child of a person with, with Alzheimer's who this doesn't kind of shake at some point. And, and I have, I have, I have sat with that myself, you know, after watching my grandmother who had um, pretty classic kind of old age dementia in her, in her late eighties and nineties. And then my mother, of course, in her late sixties. Um, and I think, I think the place that I've come to, you know, obviously I've made and, and continue to make, um, you know, active decisions with information from various different organizations, um, like the women's Alzheimer's movement, et cetera, about, you know, eating and exercise and all of that stuff. And, you know, from a, a mental, emotional, or even kind of like spiritual place, there is a lot of this disease that has, has, you know, stolen the past, right? Like, uh, memories that my mother will, can no longer recall, and there's a lot that will that it will steal from my future. Like I think about you know going through perimenopause and menopause and not having my mother there as a source of information, for example. Um, and because it has the capability of kind of stealing from both of those places, I, I almost like categorically refuse to allow it to steal from the present moment. So to sink into worry, despair, is this going to be me? Etc. I feel like is allowing, you know, allows the door open for that. Um, I want to be present to my own, to my own fears. Um, but I, I don't want them to allow, to, to allow them into such a degree that it really takes me from the present moment. So, um, that, that's just been a choice. I know there's a lot of people that can go through various different testing to see, do they, do they carry a particular gene or marker? I, I, I have decided I won't do that. I don't think knowing myself, I don't think I would be very good with that, you know, holding that information. So, I try to live my best life. I try to live in the present moment. I try to do so, you know, with brain health and nutrition on board. Um, but it's a, you know, a, a terrifying reality. And I, and I also think about my siblings, you know, I've got um, four other siblings that, you know, that, that uh, contemplation exists for them as well. Well, you're, uh, you're the youngest of all the siblings. I am. Yeah. So how old is your oldest sibling? So my oldest sibling, oh, this is a good quiz, is going to be <laughs> or close. 56, this, 56 this year. Okay, so 56 years old. Um, and I'm, I'm making this assumption, I don't know, they may have a different perspective, say, than you do um, about how, because you are, you enjoy the moment, you stay in the moment, you stay healthy, you do all the things that um, are available to you. Um, they may do it differently. I, I don't you know, with five siblings, um, which would be, I, I don't know, like your yeah. oldest sibling, yeah. for instance. Yeah. We only have a couple absolutely. minutes left. I shouldn't have asked this question now, but oh, no, go ahead. No, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we all do it differently. Yeah. So given that this is just, I'm curious, is there actually a, a marker or a, a, a gene that they are aware of, um, that one can test for if, you uh, think that you may have or be susceptible to Alzheimer's? You know, this is, this is a really interesting question, and, and I've actually heard, um, you know, a little bit of conflicting um, evidence on this. And I'm also not a medical doctor, so I think the best place to go, what, what the, the resources that I love the most are the Women's Alzheimer's um, Movement. That's Maria Shriver's uh, organization, 
um, the Alzheimer's Association of America, they, they have the most up-to-date information. Um, there's a handful of others that we probably won't have time to mention today, but those are going to be the best resources for not only um, medical support and what's happening with the research uh, about the disease, and, and but also, you know, support for caregivers. Um, so that's th- those are the resources I would direct people to if they are finding themselves in the same situation. Okay. Well, Steph, Steph Jagger, I've been talking to her about her book, about her mother, about herself, everything left to remember, my mother, our memories, and a journey through the Rocky Mountains. So um, give us information about where we can buy the book, listen to the book. I listened to the book on Audible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and more information about yourself and uh, and your work. Yeah, the, the the book can be found at any major, you know, book retailer across the country. Um, I, I love supporting independent bookshops. So if, if you want to wander into your local bookshop and ask if they have it or can order it in, that would be wonderful. Outside of that, um, people can go to my website, which is stephjagger.com. There's information about all of the work that I do there, um, in, including uh, including the books that are that are on there as well. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah. No, thanks so much yeah, for having me, Yeah, I really me, enjoyed Catherine. the interview. Thanks, Steph. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. <laughs> 